Welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry. Jesus once told Satan that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We invite you to study the scriptures with us to learn about the words of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our pastor is Mr. Jeremy Visser from Brooks, Georgia. You can contact us with your questions and comments at covenantpeoplesministry.org or simply write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205. If you desire, you can also follow us on YouTube and Twitter. We would like to hear from you, and we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that His will will continue to reign upon us all. Once again, welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry, and here is Pastor Visser with our next Bible study. Hello again, dear friends, and thank you for joining me for our two-part look into the book of the prophet Jonah. Indeed, I truly love teaching this book because there are ten specific parallels between Jonah and Yahshua Messiah. And what I'm saying is that Jonah was a prefigure to our beloved Christ. And in this lecture... I'm going to be bringing forth ten specific points where Jonah and Christ are eerily similar. But in beginning our study, we must begin in the Gospel according to St. Matthew. And in chapter 12, we can read, beginning in verse 38, Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. Now, this is the first of six signs, at least according to the Gospel of Matthew, that the Pharisees asked Jesus Christ for. And how will Christ respond? Well, next verse. But he, Yahshua Messiah, answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And there shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonah. And so you see, this one statement by Christ makes our study into the book of Jonah important and integral to our Christian walk. Not that we are a wicked and a perverse generation like these Pharisees, because this word generation in the Greek is taken from genios meaning a race. Christ answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous race seeks after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For, as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And so here it is, Yahshua Messiah, explaining my first point. And the first point, that is, proving that Jonah was a prefigure of Yahshua Messiah, was that his time spent within that belly of a whale symbolized Christ's descent into the bowels of the earth, or we could say grave. Some say hell. But the book of Jonah says that Jonah's stay within that fish's belly was like a living hell. And Christ says here in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, 
4. As Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So point number one. Jonah's abiding within the belly of the whale prefigured Christ's descent into hell. And so, turn with me to the book of the minor prophet Jonah. And I'm going to provide you a brief background into the book itself. And we're going to be proving that Jonah, like so many others, and Yahshua Messiah, who Jonah was a type thereof, was a reluctant prophet. Why is it that Yahweh God does not call those that are high-minded, that believe that they know all things, but rather calls people like Paul, on his own personal road to Damascus, not desiring to be a prophet, but struck him down and said, I can use you. Well, that's the tenth point that we're going to be bringing forth in this two-part series on Jonah. That is, that Yahshua Messiah even said, let this cup pass away from me. As it was, Jonah was reluctant to go to the Ninevites. Why? We're going to be looking at that as we go along in this sermon. But the date and the place that Jonah is said to have been written as a book was Palestine, around the years 835 to 824 B.C. The author naturally is Jonah, and that is confirmed in chapter 1, verse 1. And numerous other places that we can look into the outside story of Jonah. Outside meaning of this book, of the minor prophet Jonah. But the intent of this lecture is to go into why it was that Jonah would have to spend time within the belly of the whale. And more specifically, why Yahshua Messiah had to spend three days and three nights within the abode of hell. Jonah wrote it, but for further confirmation... Read 2 Kings chapter 14 verses 23 through 27, Matthew chapter 12 verses 39 through 41, which we just covered, and also the gospel according to Luke chapter 11 verses 29 and 30. The theme of the book of Jonah is the story of a bigoted Israelite or Judean who, after being chastised by Yahweh for his own disobedience, he preached and was able, through his preaching, to convert the whole city of Nineveh. Quite an act. But he was disobedient, and in short, he was reluctant. And thus, the title of this two-part sermon. Jonah, reluctant prophet, because that's exactly what he was. But the overall theme of this book is repentance. Repentance which Christ would, of course, ultimately come and preach. And not only preach, but provide a way, through His grace, us to obtain that repentance. But what is repentance? It is the first step in salvation. We must feel guilty of our transgressions before Yahweh God. And Jonah did not. But continue with me. And I'll prove that the purpose of this book is to show why the destruction of Nineveh and the Assyrian Empire 
was delayed by Yahweh for almost a century. And that is to illustrate the fact that God's mercy and salvation are for both Israelites and Gentiles. So yet another point and a similarity between Christ and Jonah. Jonah was sent to the Ninevites and he was reluctant to go because he was bigoted, if you will. And so it was with Yahshua Messiah, who came and also said, Go ye unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel, or go unto the Gentiles, those of the Gen. And naturally, the Pharisees and the Sadducees would have issue with that, would they not? And so it stands in Matthew chapter 12, that Christ's retort to the Pharisees and the unbelieving Israelites round about with, There shall be no sign given to a wicked and perverse generation except for the sign of Jonah. Now, of course, that was ultimately fulfilled in Christ when he gave up the ghost and spent three days within the tomb, symbolizing Jonah's abode within the whale. Albeit, the condition of that is that they must be obedient. Both Judeans and Gentiles must repent to Yahweh God. And this book is used to typify and to illustrate the death, burial, and resurrection of our beloved kinsman Victor, Yahshua Messiah. It is the 32nd book of the Bible, and it is attributed to Jonah the prophet. So without further ado, in the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verse 1, we're dealing with Jonah's first commission. Pay close attention. Now the word of Yahweh came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. So, this is the word of Yahweh God, but it was transcribed through the hands of Jonah the prophet. But notice the use of the word. This is the theme of December. The theme of this month is proving that the Word was incarnated in Mary's womb. Now, the Word of Yahweh God that existed according to John chapter 1 verse 1 and was before all things, came unto Jonah and said, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, not for it, but notice, almost every single time a prophet is risen up according to Yahweh's own heart, it is because the heart of Yahweh is vexed or grieved. Notice verse 2. Jonah is told by Yahweh God, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Much in the same exact manner as Sodom and Gomorrah. But we can deduct from this verse 2, right here in chapter 1 of Jonah, that almost a majority of all wickedness takes place in quote-unquote great cities. So notice that the word or the message of Yahweh God came unto Jonah, the contents of which are stated right here in verse 1. It is the same message repeated with little variation when the prophet was finally ready to obey in chapter 2. And so, this is the main theme, that Jonah was reluctant, but he understood truth. Does it sound similar 
Well, there will be prophets that are risen up, self-anointed and self-appointed, who come in and they try to change the foundation of Christendom. Simple things like baptism or Yahshua Messiah being God in flesh form. And then there are genuine prophets. And nine times out of ten, the genuine prophet, you can prove because he is reluctant. Was Jonah one? Jonah was, of course, a reluctant prophet. Just in the same exact manner of Yahshua Messiah, who in the Garden of Gethsemane would cry out to Yahweh God and say, let this cup pass from me. I want to lay that foundation before we continue. Because Jonah was a historical character. He's the only man so named in the entire Old Testament. And this adds to the fact that he was a type of Christ, a Jonah or Yana. When you understand who Jonah was, being a prefigure of Christ, then the example of Christ and the deeds and works that Yahshua did as he abode on God's green earth make much more sense. Simple things like abiding within the earth for three days in the same exact manner that Jonah did the belly of the whale. Why? Because that is the only sign given a wicked and perverse generation. Now, Christ ascended and overcame death. We understand this from all four Gospels. That's the only sign given the unbelievers, the non-Gentile, the non-Israelite, and all of those who disbelieve. And so, when Jonah was told, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, He, in essence, is being told by Yahweh God, you're going to go up against thousands of men and women. And you're going to tell them that they are all wrong. That they are living sinfully and wickedly. And not only that, that their wickedness has come up before me. So what does Jonah do? Jonah is disobedient initially. And because he is disobedient and kicks against the pricks, well, there is much hardship that comes along with it. Verse 3 in Jonah chapter 1. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of Yahweh God, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of Yahweh God. So, Jonah was disobedient, was he not? And disobedience is a twofold going down from Yahweh God. Understand it. Twice in this narrative, this one verse, tries to hide from Yahweh God. And no matter how many times men and women attempt to do this, it is a dismal failure. Now, there are examples in the Bible. Noah being one such who did not desire or did not believe. And Abraham is another. Ultimately, their obedience led them to overcome the world and led them and their offspring to a personal salvation. So Jonah rose up and wanted to go to Tarshish. What is Tarshish? Well, it's mentioned in 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 22. But it is away from the land of the Israelites. And in Jonah's reasoning, in his humanistic thought, he thinks, If I can go into a land where Yahweh God is not the central deity, (laughs) then I can hide from the presence of Yahweh God. Notice also the similarity of verse 3 
to what transpires in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. Because we are told that after the original sin commenced, Adam and Eve tried to hide from the presence of Yahweh God. And it wasn't that Yahweh God did not know where they were. But he calls out and says, where are you? My point with all of this is that you cannot hide. If Yahweh God calls out and says, arise, go, well, you better listen. And within this book of Jonah, there are eight commands given him by Yahweh. I'm going to give those to you very quickly right now. Number one is arise and go to Nineveh. We just covered that. Number two is cry against it. Realize Yahweh God was not calling Jonah to be accepted of the world, but rather to go against the world, to kick against it. And our humanistic instinct is to go with the flow, to be a lemming. Number three is arise and call upon your God. Number four, take me up and cast me forth into the sea. Number five, arise and go to Nineveh, just like we heard in verse one. That, of course, happens in chapter three. Preach unto it the preaching that I bid you. That's number six. Let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto Yahweh God. That's number seven of eight commands in the book of Jonah. And I'm going to get to that more in depth when we get to that specific passage. And number eight, finally, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. So that is the intent with Yahweh God for the city of Nineveh. And Jonah was chosen to be that vessel. Number one, to go out and cry against it. And number two, to say, this is what Yahweh God has spoken. What an awesome responsibility. Now, you understand that the world will not accept that. No more then than it does now. But the elect, the Zadok, the remnant do. Verse 4. But Yahweh sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. What can we deduct from verse 4? That Yahweh God controls the weather. And I most assuredly have proven this in times past. But here it is. Yahweh God has use of Jonah, and Jonah doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to be an instrument in Yahweh's will. And so, he attempts to hide from the face of Yahweh by getting on a ship boarded for Tarshish. Yahweh God stirs up the wind, a great wind, into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Verse 5. Then the mariners were afraid, and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea, to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay, and was fast asleep. So understand that the mariners, or the other workers within the ship, were not servants of Yahweh God. And the text bears that out. The mariners were afraid. And when they were afraid, just like every man and woman, when they become afraid, they cry out unto God. But the text doesn't say Yahweh. It doesn't say Lord. It says unto their lowercase God. Because he was on a ship headed for Tarshish, a land of strangers and strange idols, in an attempt to hide from Yahweh God. And because Yahweh God stirs up this tempest in the form of a great wind, well, the mariners and those that work within that ship 
became sore afraid. And why would they not? Thank you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry broadcast. If you have enjoyed hearing the message of the gospel and would like to be a part of our fellowship or receive quarterly newsletters where you can order Pastor Visser's CD sermons, be sure to write to us at CPM, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.net, where our extensive audio section features numerous broadcasts, or you can easily listen to Pastor Visser by Godcast through your mobile audio device. Our sermons and videos are made possible by your tithes and offerings. If you wish to support this ministry, make checks or money orders payable to Covenant People's Ministry. Your donations help us to reach the lost sheep of the house of Israel, wherever they may be found. Remember that Jesus Christ is our all, and is in all that have been renewed in His Holy Spirit. So we hope that you will allow Him to lead your life and help to build His church, so that when He returns, you will find faith upon this earth. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith and apply His words to your lives. It has been a pleasure to have you with us, and now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible study message. There are ten acts of the seamen, and we're going to go through this very quickly. But Jonah was asleep, down in the cargo hold, if you will, and he was fast asleep. Do you already see one of the parallels to Christ's ministry? Indeed, what we're about to see is the calming of the storm. Because in Yahshua's ministry, he did likewise. He was asleep, and his disciples, much after the manner of the mariners, were sore afraid when a great storm came upon them. And when they woke the master, Yahshua rebuked them and rebuked the weather, proving that Yahweh God controlled the weather. And not only that, said, O ye of little faith. Now what's a given the mariners here on this ship, boarded for Tarshish, are all pagan. But yet, Jonah was called to go to a Gentile city, the city of Nineveh. But more on that momentarily. Jonah was asleep, so the mariners felt there was no option but to throw their cargo overboard in an attempt to lighten the load, because with that wind blowing the ship, well, they were afraid that it would capsize. And of course, they would drown in a watery death. Verse 6. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us, that we perish not. And so you see the desperation of the mariners, do you not? Because there is no atheist during times of war, during times of famine, during times of fear. And that's exactly what the mariners did. They come to Jonah, they wake him up just like the disciples did Yahshua Messiah. And they say, cry unto your God. Who is Jonah's God? Well, that's confirmed in verse 2 of chapter 1. Yahweh. Yahweh says, arise and go. Do what I say. So here it is. They come and say, why are you sleeping? Call upon Yahweh. So, if your God is real, we will not perish in the sea. Verse 7. And they said, everyone to his fellow, come and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. 
Do you understand that when Yahshua Messiah hung on the cross in agony, many of the Roman centurions cast lots upon his garments in fulfillment of a prophecy? So here is yet another parallel proving that Jonah was a prefigure of Yahshua Messiah. But the mariners here in this account of chapter 1 don't know what to do, so they, in short, draw straws. And who do you think the shortest straw falls to? Well, verse 7 confirms. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Jonah drew the shortest straw, and so they realized that Jonah was the source of the discomfort that they were experiencing. Verse 8. Then they, the mariners, said unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation, and whence comest thou? What is thy country, and of what people art thou? And so, this is an important question. What is the pedigree of Jonah? What is the nation, or the country, that he comes from? And more specifically, what is his occupation? Well, that's confirmed in the title of this book, the book of the minor prophet Jonah. His occupation is to be a prophet, a reluctant prophet. And here he is, hiding from the face of Yahweh God, or so Jonah thinks, and Yahweh God knows exactly where he is. So Jonah, through his act of disobedience, caused more misery for those round about him. And they ask him, Who are your people? What is your occupation? Why are you on our boat? Verse 9. And he said unto them, I am in Hebrew, and I fear Yahweh, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Two specific points. Jonah was in Hebrew, meaning he was a descendant of the Hebrews, which ultimately would become the Israelites. But more specifically, he is an Adamite, a Gentile, a six-day creation. And not only that, one with the ability to fear or reverence Yahweh God. Yahweh God who made the sea. Yahweh God who made the dry ground that we read about in Genesis chapter 1. And so he reminds them of that. Why, you bow to your idols. I serve the creator of all things, albeit reluctantly. And that is the purpose of why I am on this ship. Next verse. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and said unto him, Why hast thou done this question? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of Yahweh, because he had told them. And so it stands, just as I told you. Jonah was truthful, just like Adam was when he was busted, and he tried to hide. And Yahweh comes to Adam and says, What have you done? And he says, The woman which you givest to me, she caused me to sin, caused me to eat. Jonah reiterates his story word for word, meaning that from Jonah chapter 1 all the way until verse 9, Jonah says, Yahweh God came to me and said, Arise, go to the Ninevites. I don't want to. And that's why I'm on this ship. They were exceedingly afraid. Who? The mariners. And so they had a different type of fear. And if you do a word study in the Hebrew, you'll understand that Jonah reverenced Yahweh God. The mariners or the Gentiles feared him. And oftentimes, fear is enough. Continuing on in verse 11, brand new manuscript. Then said they unto him, the mariners to Jonah, What shall we do unto thee, 
that the sea may be calm unto us. For the sea was wrought and was tempestuous. And so, the mariners asked Jonah a simple question, understanding he is a prophet of Yahweh God, and that Yahweh God created the heavens and the earth. Correct? They say, well, then it stands to reason, what do we need to do so that the entire boat doesn't sink? so that all of us do not die because of your disobedience to your God. Imagine the irony. The mariners didn't even serve Yahweh God, but yet they would have died had Jonah attempted to continue in his facade. Verse 12. And he, that is Jonah, said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know, that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Number one, Jonah recognized that it was for his disobedience that this great tempest came upon everybody else on that ship. Number two is that he was meek enough to say, throw me overboard. Remember that Yahshua Messiah would ultimately teach, no greater love hath any man than to lay down his life for his fellow man. We see Jonah was one such example of that, correct? Jonah says, throw me overboard. What possible man or woman living today would say that? No, they would fight tooth and nail and they would say, save me from this perishing. And that is the humanistic instinct. So you can see already 12 verses into chapter 1 in this book of Jonah, that Jonah is beginning to have an epiphany and a change of heart. A realization that he had better repent and be honest. Because he was living in deception. So much so that the mariners had to come later and say, Why are you on our ship? It must be something big. Because it looks like Yahweh God is trying to destroy us. Jonah says, Take me up. Cast me forth into the sea because I drew the shortest straw. No greater love. Remember that. Verse 13. These are the efforts to save Jonah. And I want you to understand, before we even go through the next two verses, that they are a failure. Why? Because of Jonah's personal disobedience. How can we, as men and women of Yahweh God, avoid this? If we are commanded, arise, do something, even if it's going to a great city like Nineveh, and speaking out against it, If we do not obey, we will suffer ourselves. And not only that, those around us will suffer. So we must all be obedient to Yahweh God. Verse 13 in chapter 1 of the book of Jonah. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore, they cried unto Yahweh and said, We beseech ye, O Yahweh, we beseech thee. Let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood. For thou, O Yahweh, hast done as it has pleased thee. Now, what do we see but a conversion and a transference from those who were once pagans, who earlier in the account were afraid and cried every man unto His lowercase God, according to verse 5. But in their efforts to save Jonah, the mariners acknowledge Yahweh God twice. 
They cry unto Yahweh and say, We beseech ye, O Yahweh, we beseech ye, don't let us perish for this man's life. And so by extension, even Jonah's disobedience resulted in good for these quote-unquote Gentiles. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says, All things work together for good to those who are the called according to Yahweh's own purpose. Was Jonah called? Well, we already confirmed that. He was called to go to Nineveh and to preach out against it. Verse 15. So, they, the mariners, took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea. And the sea ceased from her raging. So they made the proper sacrifice. Once again, another parallel. But one grain of wheat must die to become a wheat field. And Christ taught no different. Jonah was a sacrifice, and he was tossed from what? A wooden ship. Christ made his sacrifice on a wooden cross and took the stripes, if you will, in a proverbial sense, for the remaining mariners on the boat. So another proof that Jonah was a prefigure to Christ is the similarities between the cross and the ship and Jonah being thrown overboard as a sacrifice, so the others would be spared, just in the same manner that Yahshua Messiah had to make his ultimate blood sacrifice for the sins of Israel. And so, they took up Jonah, they cast him into the sea, and that sea ceased from her raging. Verse 16, Then the men feared Yahweh exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice unto Yahweh, and made vows. So do you see what I just proved? The sacrifice was Jonah. They're not going to, on a ship in the middle of the sea, have a campfire or have a burnt offering. The sacrifice was Jonah. And Jonah willfully made that sacrifice, just like Yahshua. He says, throw me overboard. And what did they do? They took him up. They cast him overboard. No greater love, once again. But yet, this perhaps, is a background into why Yahweh required Jonah. This proves, before we even conclude chapter 1, that by the beginning of chapter 1, Jonah did not want to do, and he's attempting to run from Yahweh and what he commands him. But by the end, he is full of repentance. So they cast him overboard. And because Jonah made that sacrifice, the men fear Yahweh exceedingly because of the sacrifice unto Yahweh God and they made vows. What's a vow but a promise to serve him? So right here we see the main theme of the book of Jonah, repentance, redemption for those who may not be Israelites. Verse 17. Now Yahweh had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Isn't it interesting how Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, being the last verse in the chapter, is exactly what Yahshua says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, that there shall be no sign given a wicked and perverse generation, but the sign of the prophet Jonah. And why? Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Understand, right here in the Old Testament, Jonah was a prefigure a type of Christ. 
so that when Christ made that ultimate sacrifice, the remaining quote-unquote mariners, or Israelites, or Romans, or Gentiles, would be able to do exactly what the mariners did, so that they can fear Yahweh exceedingly, so that they can sacrifice unto Yahweh and make a vow to serve Him. Yahweh prepared this great fish. And I'm really going to zoom in on this great fish. Because there will be people who come in and may debate and argue into their interpretation of what this great fish means. Men on one side will say, well, a great whale means just to cry out. So, Jonah spent three days crying. That's what it means to be in the belly of the great whale. But you're going to see that that's not true. For example, in Hebrew, this terminology, great fish, that is used in chapter 1, verse 17, is Dagodol. Very similar to Dagon, the false gods of the pagans roundabout. But Dagodol is masculine. And it literally means a fish. Just like it does in Greek, right in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, where Christ says, fish, or great fish, Dagodol. Literally fish. Remember that. Because here in a moment, it's about to change from the masculine to the feminine. Why? Is it two different whales? Or did Jonah have a full realization of who Yahweh God was? That he was called to go and speak against the Ninevites by Abba God, and not necessarily Yahweh God. Perhaps that's a study for another day. But Jonah spending three days within the belly of the whale could be seen as spending his time within hell or the grave or the quote-unquote matrix, womb in the Greek. So do not forget that. Yahweh prepared the great fish to swallow up Jonah. And it means a masculine great fish. Just as Christ says, a whale. Chapter 2, verse 1. Then... Jonah prayed unto Yahweh his God out of the fish's belly. Remember that the Septuagint says ketos megas, or huge fish. Ketos meaning huge. So whether you read this verse, <laughs> Jonah chapter 1 verse 17 or Jonah chapter 2 verse 1, in the Septuagint or the Masoretic text, it means the same exact thing. A great or a huge fish. Now, in Jonah chapter 2, verse 1, it changes into the feminine, Daga, or Daga Godol. It's a possible transfer. And so what this alludes to is that A, point number 1, is a possibility that Jonah spent three days within the whale. Jonah was in the Dag Godol, or the masculine whale, great fish or huge fish for three days, at the end of Jonah chapter 1. And verse 17. But when we begin chapter 2, verse 1, then Jonah cried out unto Yahweh his God out of the Daga Gadol, or the feminine great fish. Why the transfer? And what's the significance? Because point two, if Jonah spent three days within the belly of the whale, then he was in the womb of the whale, or the grave. So while it is that death comes full circle to rebirth, so it was in the case of Jonah. Then, chapter 2, verse 1 says, Then 
going from masculine to feminine. Jonah cried out unto Yahweh his God out of the fish's womb, and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto Yahweh, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. According to the mouth of the minor prophet Jonah, he does not say, I was in a whale, I was in a great fish, I was in a dagadol, or a dagagadol, or even a ketos megas, according to the Septuagint, a huge fish. He says, I was in the belly of hell, period. Covenant People's Ministry! Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you have enjoyed studying with us. Remember the words that Christ has given. That wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We hope that you will gather together with us at the online ministry's website, which is covenantpeoplesministry.com, and share your Christian testimonies or ask questions and enjoy biblical fellowship. You can also order CDs of Pastor Visser's Bible Studies and enjoy many other Christian resources through the church's website or write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. We thank you for your prayers and offerings and pray that all of you have been touched by these messages and continue to spread the word of the gospel with your friends and family. Thanks again and may the love of Christ abide in you and yours forever and ever. Amen.